I want to say a big hello to everyone. Man, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here. Wow, okay. Let me, let me change. Let me change gears. Uh, maybe I'll get a better response. Um, hey, I want to say a big hello to all of you that are worshiping with us down in the, down in the gym in what we call the venue. Let me hear you. Yeah, that's not here though. All right, so... But you can almost hear them. But I also want to say hello to all of those that are worshiping with us out in North Platte. Let me hear you guys. Man, now, let me give you guys another chance. Let me hear it from all of you that are worshiping here at our Carnegie campus in our main auditorium. There you go. Sometimes you need some other locations to lead the way. It's okay. That's how we're, that's how we're better together. So I want to welcome you guys here with us. You are uh, sitting in one of our four worship services in one of our three locations today. Uh, God's doing great things in people's lives at New Life. He's doing great things in our church and through our church. And we're excited to come together every single Sunday, rally together, hear from God's word, see what God's doing in our lives, and then go out into our community and live it. So if you're new with us today, let me just personally say thank you for choosing New Life Whichever location you're in, I know that you could have picked a whole host of different churches, but you picked this one, and I wanted you to know that I'm super thankful for that, and may God do something amazing and incredible in your life today. We're in a current teaching series we've entitled Forgotten God. Uh, the part of God that we, have typically, we typically forget is God's spirit. You know, in Christianity and here at New Life, we believe that we believe in a term that's called the Trinity. We believe that God is made up of three parts. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, God is one, but operating in these three distinct entities. You know, we see in the Old Testament, you, you sense the, the Father, God, wrestling with the hearts of man. Uh, you, in very manifest type ways in the Old Testament, some things that happen in the Old Testament, they just blow our minds away. If they, would, if they happened today, I don't even, I would, it would be interesting to see how people would respond. You read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about the encounter that God has with man um, as he comes in the form of a babe. And uh, his name is Jesus. And he lives his life and he dies on the cross so that we might be able to have a relationship with God and have our sins forgiven and cleansed. And uh, that, that part of God, God in Christ we connect with very easily. It's, it's the part of God that we have a harder time connecting with that we're dealing with. And that is God the Spirit. Now for some of you, maybe you grew up in churches that refer to um, you know, the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. Uh, that even, to me, that's how I grew up. That even made it harder for me to connect with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, because as a kid, I was afraid of ghosts, right? And now I've got this Holy Ghost. And I'm wondering, what in the world? How's this all going to work out? So the Holy Spirit you know, has kind of been on the chopping block of Christianity for a long time. The Holy Spirit has kind of been the, the, third, uh, the third left out cousin of the Trinity of God, if you will, uh, where we, we love God the Father, we really adore Jesus, but mm, I'm not so sure about the Holy Spirit. Well, you need to know today, your relationship with God is going to be very hollow without the Holy Spirit. Your Christianity is going to be... Um, I would, use, I would use the word lame. It's going, to be, it's going to be very diminished. That's the word. It's going to be very diminished without the Holy Spirit. Your Christianity will. Your Christianity will be very difficult without the Holy Spirit. It will be tedious. It will be something that is so weighty upon you that you will eventually lose all hope in pursuing God without the Holy Spirit. 
So our journey these next number of weeks, um, you know, has our last number of weeks and the next few weeks coming up is to unveil the Holy Spirit and really understand him. And we're going to do that again today. So can we start off by just kind of taking you back a number of years, back to when you only wanted to be in the shallow end of the pool? I want you to think back to when that was. All right. How old were you? Some of you were three and very adventurous, ready to jump off the high dive, right? Others of you are still, you're 30, and you're still at the shallow end of the pool. I understand, all right? Some of you, it just it doesn't work that way. We're talking physically here, at, at, the, at, the, uh, at the pool or at a lake. You remember when you were at the shallow end, like when the water came up to about your knees, that's about all you wanted? Or when you got a little bit more adventurous and the water came up to about your waist, and that's as far as you wanted to go? But I want you to think with me, what if you would have just stayed in the shallow end of the pool? Because I know that many of you, you've gone way beyond that and you've gone in, you've, you've been to the deep end, so you understand this. But if you would have stayed at the shallow end of the pool, just think about how many things you would have missed out on. You would have missed out on jumping off the high dive at the pool, trying to do the, the jackknife or the cannonball to try to get the lifeguard all soaking wet. Come on, you know, you know you did it. You know you did it. Come on. Or you tried to get someone wet, right? Or what about just the diving head, head first off and going into the water, you know, to, just to come back out and you can't see straight for the next three minutes, but you try to impress everybody that you could, right? Or what about at the deep end of the pool where you, you get the opportunity, you know, to, in the deeper sense, like water that's up like chest wide, you get the opportunity to play chicken. Didn't any of you guys ever play chicken where your friend got on your shoulders, you had to knock each other off before the lifeguard whistled and kicked you out of the pool? I mean, come on. No one else was like me. Am I the only one that was like that? I know. I know you guys. There's many of you rebellious like that. All right? The problem is some of you still are like me. Okay. So now we're open and honest with the whole thing. Some of you, you know what, at the deep end of the pool, if you never would have gone there, you never would have been able to sink to the bottom and have your little fake tea party at the bottom. I know some of you did that. And it's not all girls. Okay? But... If you would not have gone to the deep end of the lake, guess what you would have missed out on? Skiing, wakeboarding, tubing behind a boat like some of you did a couple of weeks ago at our New Life United. Wasn't that a blast? Come on, New Life United. Yeah, seriously, I'm, I'm, if that happens one more time, I'm going to take my notes and I'm going to walk down to the venue and I'm going to finish this sermon down there. That's what I'm going to do. Don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just messing around with you. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, New Life United was a blast. The next one that's coming up, you don't want to miss it. It's the last Friday of September. Just mark it on your calendar. It's going to be out in uh, Lexington at our campground. It's going to be a big night of worship. We have goat carts. Um, there's going to be uh, a big snack shack and that kind of stuff after the service. But here's one thing we're going to do. Um, by location, we're going to put together... Uh, dodgeball teams, and we're going to have a dodgeball tournament, one location against the other location. So that means the second service here is going to compete against the venue. And you're going to get a chance to compete against the first service too. Yeah. Yeah. So put your dodgeball gear on and get ready, North Platte, because here we come. Make us. All right. So anyways, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be good. You don't want to miss out on that. But if you would have stayed at the shallow end of the pool, just think about all the fun stuff you would have missed out on. Now, unfortunately, many of us in our spiritual lives, we stay at the shallow end of the pool. We stay there for a whole host of reasons. We stay there based on our fear. 
We stay there, you know, because we, we just don't have the tenacity to push through, so we quit early. We give up. Um, we feel like that where we're at is just, it's enough. You know, but in developing a relationship with God, many times we stay at the shallow end of the pool because, you know, we just don't know how to get to the deep end. And that's, I understand that. Some of you wrestle with it. I don't know how to get there. Others of you don't know why you should go beyond where you're at right now. And still others don't know where the deep end of the pool is. And you wonder and you, you worry about issues like, well, God, if, if, I, if I abandon myself to you and I go beyond my comfort zone and I really start to let you have 100% control of my life, what happens if I get to the deep end of the pool and start to drown? Then I'm going to have to call for help from someone, and that's going to be embarrassing. I would rather stay in the shallow end of spirituality where I can keep my feet on the ground. I got my head above, above the water so I can breathe. But guess what? You're the one that's in control. One of the things about Christianity is this. True Christianity, you relinquish control. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. See, because it's the Holy Spirit's job to cause you to build a real relationship with God that's amazing. That's his job. His job is to cause you to have a relationship with God that explodes and it comes alive. But when we stay at the shallow end of the pool, we settle for an excitement level so much less than what God wants to do. We settle for journeys with God that are so, you know, minuscule compared to what God wants to do in our lives. But for us to go full on and all out abandoned to God, we have to let the Holy Spirit fill us. See, that's the real scary part. Because for him to fill you means you have to give up control. Because for a lot of us, what's filling us is us. And the Holy Spirit's going you know, it's more about you letting me fill you completely. When we let the Holy Spirit fill us, that means we give him an all-access an all pass. He can go anywhere in our life, deal with anything he wants to. It's unobstructed. He can say what he wants to our lives. He can challenge us in whatever he needs to in our lives. That's what starts to build the real relationship. It goes beyond head knowledge of God to a heart experience of God. The Holy Spirit wants to cause your relationship with God to go beyond the pages of what you read in the Bible and come alive in your everyday life. He wants to go beyond what you you sit and you listen to on Sunday and he wants to put it into practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He wants your during the week to be more more exciting than your Sunday. He doesn't want you crawling in here on Sunday. Feed me again. He wants you coming back to this place with stories of how amazing God is and the incredible things that God's done in and through your life. I would say to you that you're here because that's what you want. But how do we get there? Why should I go? And where in the world is that place? You're gonna find the answer to all those things, not by becoming theologically smart. You're gonna find the answers to those things by surrendering your life and simply saying, Holy Spirit, fill me. Because when you come to the Holy Spirit and you say, fill me with God's spirit, that's when the Holy Spirit can begin to do some amazing things in your life that builds a real relationship with God. Let me tell you about what those really look like. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a few things that begin to happen. First, you begin doing things together with God. Doing things together with God. 
think about the great relationships that you have, right? What makes a great relationship? Isn't it, isn't it built off of the things you've done together? I mean, it, when you think about the great relationships that you have, don't you go back to the moments when we did certain things together, where we had these experiences you know, where we conquered the world or we, we sat around, you know, we drank all that coffee that night. We couldn't sleep for three days, you know, or whatever the story might be. It's, it's about doing things together with others that builds real relationships. So many of us today, we, we misdefine what the word friend means, you know, because you have a friend request for Facebook or a friend request for some other social media. That doesn't make a person a friend. That could easily make a person an acquaintance. God wants to go beyond an acquaintance with you, and he wants to build a real friendship with you. But to do that, you and I are going to have to do things together with God. That's the Holy Spirit's role. See, today I wrote a sermon and I'm preaching a sermon. One of the things you want is you don't want a guy who writes a sermon and preaches a sermon out of his own strength. If you're new here today, or maybe you're just searching new life to see if new life's a church you're looking for, let me tell you one of the things you need to add to your list for the church you're going to belong to. You're looking for a church where somebody's willing to write a sermon and preach a sermon coupled or teamed with the Holy Spirit. You're not looking for somebody just to share with you what they know. You're looking for a guy that's willing to humble himself and say, God, it's not about me, it's about you. It's not about what I know, it's about what you want to say. It's your church, not my church. That's what you're looking for. That's doing things with God, teaming up together. See, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be looking specifically at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you have your Bible or your YouVersion app open, then that's kind of where we're going to be going today. Paul gives us the premise for this, doing things together with God and how fantastic it is and how the Holy Spirit helps develop a relationship between him and God. And we're going to use that as our pretext to really understand what is the Bible trying to say to us? How can we be full of the Holy Spirit where the relationship with God is vibrant and it's alive? That's what I want for you. That's what God wants. So it first starts by doing things together with God. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 4 today. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. And he says, my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using, what was this word? Clever and what? Right. So rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, you know, our preaching, I did what? What's this word? I relied. I relied only, only. I didn't rely on anything else. I only relied on what? The power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, look at Paul. Paul was a very educated, very smart man. Paul would be a guy today that has his doctorate in biblical theology. Paul would be a guy who had memorized a lot of the Old Testament. Paul would be a guy who is super smart above a lot of other human beings walking around on the earth, especially when it came to what the Old Testament had to say about God. Paul was also a man who had a personal encounter with Jesus himself where Jesus does amazing, amazing work inside of his heart when he interacts with him. Paul is radically transformed. Paul has the ability to stand up in front of a group of people and speak words that will penetrate their heart, speak words that will wow their mind. But instead, Paul says this, if I'm gonna do great things with God, I'm gonna have to lay down my clever speech and my persuasive words. I'm gonna have to trust fully in the Holy Spirit. And Paul, as a missionary, 
journeying around, planting churches and raising up disciples in almost every community that he went to, he did that not because of how smart he was, not because of how genius he was. He did it because he relied on and surrendered himself to the Holy Spirit. That's what allowed Paul to couple with the Holy Spirit to write books such as 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and so on and so forth. So many books in your, in your New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul, not because he's smart, but because he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. And that means for you and me today, we still need to be relying on the power of the Holy Spirit for our own lives. But let me help you understand that there, might, there could be a great purpose behind relying on the Holy Spirit. And Paul gave us his purpose of why would he rely on the power of the Holy Spirit instead of his own human gifts, talents, and abilities. Why would he do that? In the next verse, Paul gives us the answer. In verse 5, I did this. I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit so you, Corinth, the church of Corinth, so that you would trust not in what? Human wisdom, but in the power of God. One of the things we like to do is we like people to trust in us. We like people to look at us. We like, we like people to see how good we are. We even like people to see how great we are. Now, some of us are more prideful in that than others. But it, doesn't it always feel good when someone tells you how good you did? Yes, it does. And when you take that to an extreme, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you take it to an extreme, then you focus more on what you can do. And your human power will always, if left to its own demise, will always direct people away from God. Yeah, but Jeff, I'm a good person. It doesn't matter. Your human wisdom will always direct people away from God. Only when we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit will direct people to God. So what is the purpose that Paul is saying why does he want to rely on the Holy Spirit instead of his just clever words and his persuasive speech? Because he's driven by a purpose greater than his own. He wants people to know Jesus more than he wants people to know him. You know, a hard-hitting question. Do you want people to know Jesus more than they know you? Jeff Baker. (laughs) That's a hard-hitting question. Do you want people to know Jesus more than they know you? If we want to do incredible things with God, we're going to have to get ourselves though, out of the way. We're going to have to remove ourselves because God's A plan is to use you in powerful, persuasive ways because God wants the good news of his kingdom preached in this day and this age. And so to, to do that, God made you very much like we make our sports cars. God made you attractive. God made you to be something that's powerful. You know, you think about a sports car. Think about If you could own any sports car, what would the sports car be? Just think about it right now. If you could own any sports car, which one would you own? All right? I want you to turn to to somebody that you came here with. I want you to look them in the eye. I want you to tell them, this is the sports car I would love to have. I mean, tell them about it. What color would it be? Right? What would the wheels look like? How fast would it go? If you could have any sports car, what would it be? All right. So where's my Corvette people? Corvette people? Where's my Mustang people? All right. All right. How about my Camaro people? Yeah, we got Camaro people. How about my Lamborghini? Fancy people. Oh, I got them there. All right. Uh, you know, what about uh, smart car people? That's not, that's, not really a, that's not a sports car. Okay. All right. Um, how about my Porsche people? 
What about Porsche people? How about all my other people that can't remember the names of the cars? Just yell yours out on three. Ready? One, two, three. Whatever. Um, did it matter? I don't know. Uh, DeLorean people. Okay, there you go. I got them. I think I got them all now. You think about that. Think about that car. You own it. You live in North Platte. You live in Kearney, whatever. It is sweet, right? It is, uh, it's painted just the way you want it to. It might have a racing stripe. It might not. It might have a big flared wing on the back. It might not. It might be super old. It might be, you know, really new. And you lift up the hood and the engine is immaculate and it's got horsepower after horsepower after horsepower. This thing can light the tires up, burn them out, put new ones on and just do it all day long. All right. I mean, this thing is awesome, right? But what you do with it every day is that you push it everywhere you go. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be the talk of the town. People are going to say, do you know that person that's got that really sweet car? I mean, that's probably the sweetest car in town. I've never heard it start. Does it start? I'm just not sure because they push it everywhere they go. It takes them forever to get there. What are they doing? They have got the fastest car. I mean, I would love to have that car. If I had that car, I wouldn't push it. But that's what we're doing with our spiritual life. God made you like this sports car. He made your life attractive. He made your life powerful, but it's not going anywhere fast. Why? Because just like the sports car, it has no gas in the tank. See, the Holy Spirit is like the gas in the tank. He wants to fill your life, to take your life, and to move it and go someplace. I'll tell you what. You take a guy who has an amazing sports car that can just blaze down the road, and for the very first time he puts gas in it, he's going to find out things about that car he never knew. You're going to find out things about your life you never knew. You probably can run faster than you ever thought you could run spiritually. You could do more spiritually than you ever thought you could do. You could handle more than you ever could handle, but you can't because your tank isn't full of the Holy Spirit. Your tank is full of you, your stuff, your issues, your problems, your life, you trying to take care of you. We have to get us out of the way so that the Holy Spirit can come and to fill our tank. Paul allowed his tank to be filled by removing his earthly talents and abilities. And that's what you and me are going to have to do. Paul removed his clever and persuasive sweet speech so that the Holy Spirit could fill his mouth. What earthly gifts and talents and abilities do you have that you're living that need to be surrendered and laid down and emptied so that you have room for the Holy Spirit to come and do his marvelous supernatural work inside of you? What skills, gifts, and abilities are you counting on? What things in your life are trying to outshine God? What gifts and talents and abilities are trying to outshine God? See, now this deals with more of that blind side. We all have a blind side. We all have things that we do that we don't even recognize that we do. So many times the things that are trying to outshine God, you might not even know it, but your spouse knows it. And you know what? If you if you're will, willing to really become the man or the woman God wants you to be, go to your spouse and ask them, what, what talents, abilities, and aspects of my life do you see me manipulating in a way that they try to outshine who God is? And if they share something with you, you know what you should do with it? You dim those things down through repentance. That's what you do. If you're single and you don't have a spouse, go to someone that you can love, that you can trust. Go to them. 
A life group leader as an example. Hey, if you see something in my life where I'm, I'm living in such a way that's trying to outshine God, would you show me it? Because I, I don't want to be that guy because I'm not going to do great things with God if I'm always trying to outshine him. And when they share a, a character trait with you or a perspective or a behavior issue, then you know what you do to dim it down? You repent. Repentance dims down our light and allows God's light to shine greater. That's where you're going to do great things with God. But the Holy Spirit also wants to fill you so that you can begin to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. How many of you guys like to receive a gift? Okay, nobody in the main auditorium likes to receive gifts. People in the venue love to receive gifts. I know that. Or North Platte. All right, we got a few now. Okay, yes. Of course you like to receive gifts. Of course. And when it's a good gift, you love to use it time and time and time again as well, right? Yes. A great gift is one that we don't just open and go, well, well, that's good and leave it. A great gift is one we take with us and we keep using over and over again. And aren't you always thankful for the person that gives you one of those great gifts? The Holy Spirit, through the power of the Father God, wants to release great, incredible spiritual gifts into your life. When you and me exercise those gifts, it causes a gratitude to grow towards the heart of God. When you realize that there are gifts that God has and he wants to pour out in your life, and when you one day awaken to that tune and you understand it completely, all of a sudden you want to build a, a deeper and a more real relationship with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, And we have received God's Spirit. Not the world's Spirit, but we've received God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, so we can know what? The wonderful things God has what? Freely given us. God has given you freely gifts. Let me start with the first one. If you surrendered your life to Jesus, God gave you the free gift of salvation. He gave you the free gift of him becoming your Lord and your leader. But that's not where he ends. God also, through the power of his spirit, has a whole host of gifts that he wants to pour out upon your life as well. The disciples started to experience these gifts in Acts chapter 2 when they were met in the upper room. And the Bible describes it as a tongue of fire fell upon them. And they all began to speak in another language. And they all began to, you know, experience God and the moving of his spirit in a whole brand new way. But let me just tell you something. That's not where it ended. That's just where it began. They went on to experience all types of gifts of God's Spirit. And if they needed the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission of the early church, let me just tell you, the world we live in today, we need the Holy Spirit to finish the mission of the local church. You and me, we need to be hungry that God would fill us with the Holy Spirit and exercise his gifts through us so that we can do what God's wanting to do. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, this is what God wants to do in the days in which we live. In the last days, God says, I will do what? I'll pour out my spirit on all people. We live in the last days. We live in a day and a time period in which chaos rules all around us, but we live in a time when Jesus could come back at any moment. Jesus is the one who told us, guys, you're living in the last days. If that was 2,000 years ago, simple math tells me we're closer to the end than ever. You don't have to be a theologian to figure that out. You just got to know simple math. Every day that goes by, you're get, you, we keep getting closer and closer to the end. 
God saying, I want, to keep, I want to keep pouring my spirit out upon all people all the way to the very end. Why does God want to do that? Because even in these last days, God cares about people and he wants people to be in relationship with him. He wants to use your life and the gift of the Holy Spirit through you so that the world might know he is alive and they might surrender their hearts to him. Maybe even some of you hearing my voice today, the Holy Spirit's gonna be knocking on your heart, asking you, do you wanna surrender your life and make me Lord and leader? I would encourage you, if that's you, to say yes. So what are these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us and that he wants to use through our lives to preach the message of Jesus even in these last days? Well, those things are defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Take a look with me. It says, a spiritual gift is given to some people. Some people? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Each of us. First thing right off the bat you need to be aware of is this scripture speaking to you, speaking to me today. God has spiritual gifts for each of you that are here. He wants to use you in miraculous ways. Verse eight, to one person, the spirit gives the ability to do what? Give wise advice. That's very practical. To another, the same spirit wants to give a message of special knowledge. We need these things to be able to, you know, counsel one another, to be able to instruct our family, to be able to raise our children, to be able to lead a godly business. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be exercised through us so that we can not fall prey to the, 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 the classic trap of this world, but stay honed and focused on the mission that God's called us to. But the same Spirit also gives great faith to another. Great faith. It's one thing to have faith that Jesus is the Lord and leader. It's another thing to say, I need great faith. Great faith because I'm facing something that's like a mountain. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Some of you are in great need of healing. Some of you have experienced this gift of healing being, being uh, you know, accomplished in your life as other believers have you know, come alongside of you. They've prayed for you. They've even laid hands on you at moments and they've prayed for you. Um, the Bible says at, at times to call upon the elders of the church that they would come, they would anoint you with oil, they would lay hands on you, they would pray for you that you might be healed. Some of you, you need to be calling, you need to call the church and ask for the elders of our church to come and pray with you. The deacons of our church, the trustees of our church to come and pray with you. You're missing out on one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he wants to maybe use in your personal life. Um, Now, these are not gifts that we manipulate though. In verse 10, it says that he, the Holy Spirit, gives one person the power to what? Perform miracles. And... Another, the ability to what? Prophesy. Yeah. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. But this isn't even where it ends. Still to another person um, uh, is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. And last but not least, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts He alone decides. That's critical. He alone decides which gift each person should have. I think one of the things that you and me need to realize very quickly here is that it's he, the Holy Spirit, who gives the gifts. 
He gives them. The Holy Spirit is like a great mechanic who knows exactly which tool is needed for which job. And when a car needs fixed, he gets a certain wrench and he fixes it. The Holy Spirit looks at our church and he looks at your life and he goes, I know what's going on around you, through you, and in you. You need this tool. You need this gift for this moment, for this hour. But please remember this. The gift still belongs to him. He's the one who gives the gift. You're not the owner of the gift. He owns it. There's been many times in my life where I've used the wrong tool on a project, and guess what I did? I broke something. And often what we try to do is we, we sense the Holy Spirit, and he's exercising a gift through our lives. We think we own it, and we try to take that one tool, that one gift, and apply it to every situation we're in. And every time, every time we do that, it's not the right gift. It's not always the right gift for the situation. And we break more things than we fix. Because we have to realize he's the one who gives the gifts. He's got a whole host of them. And all I'm supposed to do is simply come to him and say, let, let me get out of the way so that you can fill me with your spirit so that I can exercise the gifts that you want me to exercise. By the way, when you want me to exercise them. I don't master them. I surrender to the master who works his gifts through me. That would take us a long ways in our health and our understanding of who God is if we could just keep in mind that he's the one who gives the gift. He's the one who gives the tool for the situation in which we need it. It seems like maybe somewhat overwhelming, but when you break it down that way and we put the ownership on him, our job is to surrender. But our job is also to freely receive. That means to open my heart up and simply say, I'm available, I'm open. I know what, you know, some of this stuff freaks me out a little bit, but I'm open to it. I'm not going to close myself off to certain things. I'm not going to say I love Jesus, but I don't want that Holy Spirit gift stuff. You know, that would be foolish. That would, you, that would make you think like you're the one in control when you're not the one in control. I'm okay, God, with like, you know, praying for healing, but I don't want to speak in tongues. I'm okay for prophesying, but... You know, don't give me a gift of wisdom or knowledge for somebody. That, again, would be foolish. That would be you thinking you know the exact tool for the exact situation that you need, when really every single one of us in this room and hearing my voice today should simply say, I don't know how to use any of those gifts unless he gives it to me. And if I try to use it in my own understanding, I'm probably going to use it wrong and break something. And that's going to wound more people than help people do what God's wanting to do. When he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh in these last days, he's doing to draw people to himself. Amen? That's what we want to be a part of. So how about if all of us, me included, just simply say, God, I'm willing to receive, freely receive. I'm going to open myself up. I'm not going to cross certain things off the list because they freak me out. I'm just going to open myself up and say, God, here I am. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do in me and whatever you want to do through me. And you know what I believe about God? He'll do exactly what he wants to do. That's our attitude we should come to him with. And then freely receive, freely give. Be willing to give what the Holy Spirit's done in your life. Be willing to share what he's shown you in God's word. Be willing to step out and trust him. Just be willing to step out and trust him and go, if someone's sick, I'll pray for you. Maybe God wants to do a miracle. 
When you're listening to someone speak, maybe God wants to use you to speak a word of wisdom or knowledge to them. Just be open to say, Holy Spirit, I'm here. Whatever you want to do, in me, through me, I'm yours. However you want to use me today. But remember, the ownership is on him to work the gift. The ownership is on us is to surrender to the giver of the gift. That'll take you a long ways. That'll build a great relationship with God. Thirdly, though, we need the Holy Spirit to help us understand God more. Does anybody here just want to understand God more? You want to grow in your knowledge and understanding of him? May it be said about you that no matter how old we get and how many accolades we have behind our name, that we would always be a people that want to know God more. Well, guess what? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to help you know God more. But take a look at what 1 Corinthians has to say about this issue. In chapter 2, verse 14, it says, but people who aren't spiritual, we'll come back and define that in a minute, people who aren't spiritual, guess what they can't do? They can't receive these truths from God's Spirit, from the Holy Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Aren't spiritual. These are people that think they're in control. These are people who think that, you know, I I know about God, but I'm going to do life my way. These are people that might even say God doesn't exist. These are people that it in some extent, have decided, I'm only going to go waist deep. I'm not going to go to the deep end of the pool. If that's where you're living, some of the things I've said today might sound foolish to you. If you're here today and this message sounds foolish to you, I just want you to know, it's okay. I love you. God loves you. I'm willing to hash it out with you. I'm willing to talk it over with you. I'm willing to go on the journey with you. Because one thing I know is you might think it's foolish today, but tomorrow the Holy Spirit has the ability to do something in your heart that all of a sudden makes the foolish things seem like they're amazing. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes the things that man can't grasp or understand and he starts working them in our hearts and it just starts blowing us away. So don't worry about it. You also might claim today that you're more of an early, early on in your journey. You're a newer Christian. And that parts of what I've said today seem foolish. It's okay. It's all right. Because one thing I know about God is if you keep surrendering, surrendering your life to him and you keep trusting him, guess what he's going to do? He's going to keep taking, taking away one little foolish thing at a time. And he's going to start turning them into truth that, that really start you know, impacting your life in a greater and greater way. Stay on the journey. Don't abandon the journey. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to help us understand God's, God more. That means the Holy Spirit wants to help us wrestle with and investigate and explore and examine who God is. Yes, that's right. The Holy Spirit wants to help you investigate and examine who God is. Just think about a person A person that doesn't want to be investigated for a certain crime or a certain situation or they don't want to be examined for it. They don't want to have all of their emails gone through. They don't want to have all of their documents gone through. They don't want the FBI to come in and look at any of their stuff or the police to come and look at their stuff. Typically, it's because somewhere in the midst of all of that, there's a guilt. But what does God say? God says, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to help you to investigate me and examine me. You know why? I got nothing to hide. I got nothing to hide. God doesn't have anything to hide from you. He has everything that he wants to open your heart up to and open your mind up to and, you know, expose your life to according to his word, which brings life and it brings truth and it sets you free. 
And his Holy Spirit is here today to help that accomplish, help that be accomplished in your life. The Holy Spirit is, in, in some ways, I love this analogy, but the Holy Spirit is very much like a race car mechanic. I've been using this mechanic theme all the way through the message. I apologize for you that don't like it. He's like a race car mechanic. He knows how to fix things when they come off the track and they're broken. He knows, he knows how to get the car back into the game and get it back out there on the track and make it happen. And he's done that in your life probably over and over and over again. But you know one of the things he also likes to do? A race car mechanic is very unique. He's unlike the guy who works on your car. A race car mechanic always, always is looking to see how he can supercharge the car, make it go quicker and faster and produce more horsepower. That's a unique thing about the Holy Spirit. He's looking to supercharge your life. He's looking to take your life from ordinary to extreme. That's what he wants to do. That's what I mean by understanding God more. It's going to go from just the surface to the deep, but you're going to have to go out there. You're going to have to follow his call. He's wooing you right now. So how can you understand God more? Let me suggest a couple of thoughts. It's not going to be just reading your Bible, going to church, and praying more. That's not always how you're going to understand God more. I want to, I want to also challenge you to include with those things Asking God difficult questions. Ask God difficult questions. But you know the hardest part about asking God a difficult question is keeping your mouth shut long enough for him to answer you. You can put together great questions, but at the end of the question mark, we always want to answer it for him. Or we don't have the patience to wait. But if you ask God great questions, you're going to be, you're going to be exposed to some things from God's spirit that otherwise you're going to miss. I would suggest questions like this. If this sermon is true, if this preaching is true, then what do you want to do in me? If this passage is true that I read, what do you want to do in me? Another great question is, God, what will it take for me to be full of your Holy Spirit? You ask him questions like that. What will it take? Gee, I'm talking, God, you and me right now. It's not you and the congregation. It's you and me. What will it take for me to be full of your Holy Spirit? God, how do you want to use me more? Here's another great one. God, how can you help me in my unbelief? I wrestle with unbelief when it comes to topics like your Holy Spirit and wanting to do great things in me and through me. How can you help me in my unbelief? And you know what? God will speak to you. And God will share those words of truth with you. And God will help you. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants to take you to the deep end of the pool with God. And that means going places that you've never gone before and doing things you've never done before. It means building a real relationship with God. I want to invite you today to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to surrender your life and to ask God for the Holy Spirit to accomplish things in you that are beyond your abilities to accomplish. I want you to come to God and just simply say to him today, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me today, have your way in me that I would accomplish the things that you want me to do that are beyond what I can do in my own human abilities. Ask God to fill you with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
not a particular gift. Ask God to fill you with the gifts of his Holy Spirit when he wants to, how he wants to. You come to him. He's the giver. We are the surrender. Lastly, just say to God, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I just want to know you more. Church, that's the attitude we're going to come to God and worship with today. God, I just want to know you more. Have your way in me. Here I am. Fill me. Use me. Help me get myself out of the way so that you can fill the gas tank of my life with the Holy Spirit. And I can go do what you called me to do today. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to accomplish your mission on this earth in these last days. Lord, I cannot imagine living on this earth without the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'd be powerless. I would just be playing games. I would think I'm speaking truth, but in the end, I'm speaking a lie. I would think I'm doing something good, but in the end, I'm just spinning my wheels and wasting my time. I would think that I'm investing my money wisely into the kingdom and giving it away and helping missionaries and empowering your church to do what it needs to do, but God, I would just be foolishly wasting my money. Lord, you come alongside me with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to maximize every single thing that you've given me, talents, skills, abilities, materialistic items, everything I have, you want to empower to give glory to God and to accomplish his agenda. But I want to do great things with you. And for that to happen, I have to surrender myself and say, God, come and fill my tank. Lord, I don't want to just exercise the gifts you've given me that are just earthly. I want to, I want to exercise the spiritual gifts that draw people to the kingdom and see souls won and lives changed and transformed. Help me overcome my fears. Help me overcome my lack of faith. Help me overcome those things just to trust you that you're still at work today. You're still drawing people to yourself. Lord, help me to know you more so that I can make you known. May you have your way in this church, in the hearts of the hungry. May you meet them today. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill people to accomplish your mission on this earth. In Jesus' name. Amen.